The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. good y'all welcome to in the deep a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast part of the pitcherless podcast network my name is jordan white and i am joined here once again by my good friend and co-host christopher schwebzy weber schwebzy how you doing tonight hi friends i'm doing good it's uh it's 2 18 in the morning so we made good time today oh, it's late but it, this is about standard really for us yeah yeah uh, we, you know we say every week how we're going to get better and somehow we just get worse every week but uh, from like a, you know, a, a non-immediate perspective, I'm really excited for the coming days because tomorrow is the home run derby. And I expect to see Pete Alonso hit a baseball out of course field. I mean, I'm very excited for him to get eliminated by Shohei Otani in the second round. Trust me, I, I can't wait for that. Uh, if it's anyone be- is going to do it. I I want it to be Shohei. That's fair. Are we like really kidding ourselves though that it's going to be anyone but like Shohei and Joey Gallo in the finals? I feel like that's the clear favorites, right? No one thought Alonso would beat Vlad last year. That's true. If Vlad was in it this year though, with his improved launch angles, I think you would give uh, Pete a run for his money. But no, I think that Shohei is going to hit one probably, I don't know, somewhere around like 680 feet. I think is a fair estimate for how far he's going to hit a ball considering that they're not being put in a humidor and he strong AF. I, I just think we're underestimating the, the, the big meat here. <laughs> oh God. I, I love that. This one of his nicknames, uh, but yes, uh, along so with that, there's wait, a, oh, sorry, go uh, tr- ahead. So true, true. Uh, Pete Alonso anecdote, personal. Oh. Um, I, I have like a, a, a Pete Alonso collection of baseball cards and, uh, my 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 goal is to eventually have them displayed in like a display case in my my new home whenever i buy that home next year yes 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 uh it's going to be dubbed the meat locker and uh yeah it's gonna i'm gonna have a sign and everything it truly is perfect it's great i love it it's gonna be really good i'm excited for that little nook for when i do eventually get to visit wherever you end up because i am going to come visit you uh just make sure you don't uh forget to send me the housewarming invite okay like like I forgot to send uh, Mikey a Hedo's <laughs> wedding invite. I'm glad that you got the cue and knew where to go with that. Thank you. That, see, this is why we're co-hosts at this point, because we just know where to lead each other for those beautiful, beautiful segues. Very uh, in sync with the in-jokes. Yes. Uh, is there anything else uh, All-Star Week 
regarding or regarding the all-star week that you're excited to see um, i'm really excited to see kevin newman at the all-star game i think we've had enough injuries now that he's there oh wow shrubsy very clearly calling out one of my preseason bets because like <laughs> kevin newman was hitting for a really nice average in the preseason i was, he was hitting like 700 he was hitting an absurd at an absurd rate and i was like can this continue perhaps and obviously, it very much did not obviously the answer was no but yeah. we, we went with it yeah very clearly uh i owe people an apology for even recommending that at any point and like that's actually something because this week we do have a lot of uh kind of like a gap in time where we're not going to have any actual games. So we're kind of short on pitchers to talk about this week because usually with our process, we're talking about pitchers that have like upcoming starts that are really favorable. But with the all-star break, there's going to be some resets in the rotations. We don't know who's going to face who when yet. Uh, and that's going to become clear at the end of this week. So we're going to hold off on that. And then we're actually going to talk about at the end of the episode, some of the folks that we one feel like we did a really good job on calling out early in the season and two the ones that we feel like we need to apologize for uh kevin newman will not be one of them that i talk about later but he's definitely someone who i regret bringing up as an option early on and i think he was in a preseason episode yeah but i i i think it's always important to like like when when we finish with an episode i don't think that is the last time we should ever look at those notes like it, it's, it's important to like go back through things uh, look at where we went right, look at where we went wrong and kind of like try try to like figure out where uh, how we're doing as analysts and figure out where our strengths and weaknesses lie and figure out how to improve in the future. So we're going to, you know, we, we're always doing that, but we're going to give you a little insight into that process today. Absolutely. And also to piggyback off that, just our, yes, okay, we joke all the time about how we always prepare not super well before the actual night of the uh, recording. But I will say that I do think like looking back on our notes, because this forced us to look back all the way since we started the podcast, which is now 20 plus episodes ago. And we've gotten a lot better just in general with our analysis of players and how well we prepare, which I'm something it's, it's, it's something that I'm pretty proud of. We've gotten a lot better. Like when you look back at it. Yeah. I, I never want to be just a stat cast page quoting robot. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I want to be more varied. I want to come at things from more angles and just uh, you know be more versatile in my analysis. And I think I think I've done that a bit over the uh, the year. Absolutely. Yeah, we've both gotten quite a bit better. I mean, we'll talk about a few of the things that we hit on as well later in the episode. But uh, quick before we jump into our hitters and pitchers that we want to talk about, uh, be sure to follow us. On all of our social media so obviously follow us at in the deep pl on twitter that's our shared account and you can also follow us each individually at schwebzi for schwebzi that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i and then you can follow me at bunt singles and also we have an email address that if you want to send any mailbag questions there or just want to in general again like we said last week you can send the hate mail to schwebzi because it fuels him uh please don't send it to me because it will break me uh and that email is in the deep pl at gmail.com I will make him read it. Please don't. Please don't put me through it. I can't handle it. I'm too fragile. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, kick it off. This is actually some. So the first name that we have on here in terms of hitters, this is someone that we've talked about like a, a couple different times. And he was one of the early uh, subjects of one of our early podcasts, if I remember right. Uh, we got Starling Castro here. Schwebzy, take it away. Yeah, so a Starling Caster is an old friend, not quite Joey Wendell levels of old friend, where uh, you know we mm, can call mm-hmm. him a mascot of the podcast. But yes. yeah, this is the this is the fourth time that I brought Starling Caster up on an in the deep podcast, 
And uh, it's the first time that I felt good about it in a while because uh, yes. a lot of my previous Starling Castro callouts were based on uh, a 2019 second half stretch where he was just lifting the ball, hitting for power more than he ever had before. And uh, it, it was direct quote from him saying that he was trying to do that. And he didn't really do that this year. Uh, the uh, slugging percentage is really underwhelming on the year. But now he is finally, finally, finally hitting the ball with some authority, accumulating some extra base hits. He's hitting 283 on the year after a nice three for four game with a double today, uh, today being Sunday. But uh, as weird as this is to say, I do not care about the batting average. Like he's hitting 283, that's great. But that's just who he is. He's always going to have that batting average. So what I'm looking for is can he stretch beyond that? Can he be better than he's been in the past? Like he's he's hit 270 in seven out of 10 seasons. Like he's just, that's just what he does. Yeah, that's consistency right there. Right. So why do I care now all of a sudden again? If you go through his savant rolling charts, you'll see that everything that... like everything that I personally care about for offensive reduction is trending in a positive direction. His ex Woba, his ex slug, his ex batting average. And if advanced stats scare you, then his actual Woba slugging and batting average. Also he's walking more, he's striking out less. He's putting the ball in the air more, which is what I want to see. And he's hitting the ball harder. He's never been anything but a quality hitter. You know, he's one of those guys that, it, you know, in, in 10 years, he's still going to be in the league. And then you'll be like, Starling yeah. Castro is a professional hitter. But yeah, I'm, I'm sad to report <laughs> that he no longer appears to be consciously doing that launch angle, which uh, as he once stated, but he is absolutely scorching the ball right now to a point that it doesn't really matter if it goes over the fence or not. He's had hot streaks like this before. And he's shown that he's a tweak away from being like a legitimate, like 12 team shortstop. So he's a great addition in any middle infield spot and for batting average and counting stats. I doubt there's many better options on your waiver wire. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you, uh, this is, this is a good story of someone that in the preseason we had really high, well, you specifically had really high hopes for, and then they kind of let us down early on, but they're coming around now. And it just goes to show how long the season it is too. Like you can't just completely give up on people and think that you were wrong about them right away. Um, some guys might take a little while to get going and some guys it just might click randomly. I, I right. mean, yeah. We call them rolling charts because if you look at them, they roll. This is an upswing. He's going to come down from it, but he's established this level where it's going to come up again. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Uh, oh man, I guess uh, beyond that, do you have anything else that you want to talk about with in regards to Castro? I mean, I guess like second half outlooks and what kind of leagues exactly are you trying to add him in? I uh, I think anything with a middle infielder. Okay, cool. I, I, I think he's in that uh, like 12 to 18 range of shortstops where uh, you'd be looking at him as a middle infielder in any leagues. Like it. Okay, cool. Love it. And then after that, we someone that barely sneaks under well i guess not under right at the threshold uh currently rostered at 20 percent. i've got garrett cooper here uh for those that aren't aware he came back from an il stint with a lower back issue on the 25th of june and since then he's been hitting 474 with four home runs 12 rounds and nine rbis and he even tossed in a stolen base which i wouldn't really like get your hopes up because that's not really who he is he's not going to steal many bases Uh, can uh can someone who's good at numbers tell me if a 474 batting average is good 
I mean, I'm pretty bad at numbers, but even I can tell you that's pretty, pr- pretty good. Uh, but that's the thing too, is like his average has been insane since he came back. Not just that though. He's had a 22% walk rate since his return too, which I mean, not necessarily like st- uh, sustainable, uh, but it just shows that he's seeing the ball really, really well and then taking advantage of every hittable pitch that he is getting. Um, also, a really cool fun fact, courtesy of one Schwebzy, as I was doing research on this, he was also looking at uh, Cooper's page. And if Cooper qualified, he would be in the top 20 in the league in batting average, sur- surrounded by like notable names like Fernando Tatis Jr., Carlos Correa, and Bo Bichette. So, I mean, that's really, really good company to be in. Um, his hot streak over the past few weeks has brought his season average all the way up to 291, which is well above league average, so you love that. He's had really, really consistently high exit velocities, lots of hard hit balls. Plus, he's been hitting in the three spot pretty much every day, so I think he's going to be in line for continued success. Just that premier spot in the lineup is fantastic. It's crazy that a three hitter that's been in that spot for the past couple of weeks is still only 20% rostered in leagues. That kind of blows my mind, right? Yeah, yeah. We always talk about opportunity and uh, role as being a big, big factor when you're talking deep leagues, and uh, like, there's no better spot than the three hole. Exactly. Uh, so the only thing that I really wish that Cooper would do better is that he hasn't been ele- elevating the ball as much as he could. And I think that we would see some more power output from him. Obviously, the exit velos have been solid and consistently solid since his return. So if he could lift the ball a bit more, that would probably improve his offensive profile, obviously. But you can't really ask much more from him at this point. And I think that considering, again, like he's only 20% rostered, I think that's kind of egregious at this point. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of people during this all-star break, they're going to be kind of lackadaisical when it comes to waiver wire pickups. And I think that in terms of someone who could be a second half offensive contributor for your team, he's a really, really good one to grab. So make sure that you can beat people out for him and take it. I would say even in 12 team leagues, I'd be happy to nab him. He's not even that deep of a option at this point. And I fully expect within the next week or two that his roster ship is going to be over 50, 50%. So, uh, on a league-wide note, uh, we've talked before on this podcast how with the, uh, the the dearth of players with good batting averages and the increase in strikeouts caused the batting a- the league-wide batting average to dip to like 230. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we used to talk about batters who were hitting like 250 as like, you know, well above league average in batting average. That has changed. Uh, as you guys know, uh, there have been changes to the ball this year, changes to uh, sticky substances being allowed or yes. not allowed anymore. The That league batting average has already creeped up to 240. It tends mm-hmm. to get better as the weather gets warmer anyway, but it got up to 240. And I think we're trending towards probably a year end, uh, like 245 plus. See, I'm wondering too, I would be interested to look at and see historically if like you said, as the weather gets warmer, the ball is going to move a little bit better. Um, if it's a comparable change to previous years, like as the weather has gotten warmer, if the averages have gone up in the, at the same rate, or if the ban on sticky stuff used by pitchers has had a greater effect on offensive output. There was a very stark like delineation between you know D-Day, where uh, the uh, substances got banned, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good to know, at least. Um, I guess I haven't looked that deeply into at the same time, because I know you said that as the weather gets warmer, uh, hitters start hitting the ball better, like better averages are produced. 
I guess I want to see what the historic rate of that is. And like, obviously like there's like 2019 with the super bounce ball uh, and everything was kind of elevated there, but just like percentage wise, how much of an improvement there was as the weather got warmer. That's something that I think I would want to take a deeper look into, but very interesting to look at, but yeah, Garrett Cooper, fantastic option, please. Like if you need a guy that can give you an offensive boost in the second half, premier lineup spot has been hitting the absolute crud out of the ball. Go get him. Um, Next up, we have a another former St. Louis Cardinal that has been picked up by a division rival of all folks. I think only I, he was he wasn't traded; he was just bought straight out, wasn't he? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, uh, Shrubs, you got John Nagowski here, who was owned in zero percent of leagues, according to what we saw. So, what do that, we think that, about Nagowski here? So that was actually a guess on my part because it's John Nagowski, and I'm just assuming he's owned in zero percent of leagues because it's John Nagowski. I'm gonna, I'm gonna but, confirm this while you talk. Go, go ahead, yeah, buddy. Go for it. I'm willing to bet I'm right. So I I know we're called in the deep, and uh, today I am plumbing the deepest depths to tell you all about John Nagowski. If your response to that, oh God, it's it's uh, I'm painfully aware that i'm reading this right now i'm sorry folks this is so unnatural but uh if your response <laughs> to the name john nagowski is who then congratulations you're less of a fantasy baseball degenerate than i am oh i gotta work on that that was tough delivery but uh john nagowski is a six foot tall 245 pound bowling ball of a person who is kind of the opposite of what we like here we usually like the uh, large lads that lift long balls but he is more of a gentle giant that gifts grounders boo. so why do i boo alliteration <laughs> boo anyway, sorry um, continue i had to raise you for that that's fine i deserve it so why <laughs> do i care about nagowski if he doesn't hit the ball in the air usually that's all i care about uh, other than plate discipline uh well because production can come from unexpected sources sometimes. And sometimes we need different kinds of production. Uh, if your league is deep enough, then John Nagowski can actually be really relevant. Sometimes you have to play 4D chess and be way, way ahead of your league mates and catch the next big thing ahead of time. Not, I mean, other than his pure size. Nagowski probably isn't going to be the next big thing, but he can be a valuable contributor to your fantasy team in certain categories. Between his minor league numbers and his short time in the majors this year, I've seen some things that make me think Nagowski can be a productive corner infielder and outfielder uh, because he's played some time there this year. Uh, firstly, in the minor leagues, Nagowski has never struck out that much. He's never Until this year, he never struck out more than 12.4% of the time. This year, that's up to 20% in AAA. Not sure what that's about because it's really never been part of his profile before. I'm willing to write it off as small sample size nonsense, but he also routinely put up double digit walk rates. He hit for average and got on base. And I have a really strong feeling that if this guy played for like the two thousands Oakland athletics, that he would have been a Billy bean favorite. He has that kind of profile. What does he do? Jonah Hill. He gets on base. Yes. He feels like Billy Butler to me. Like, and while that doesn't lead to fantasy gold in a 12 teamer, in 2021, it does have its place. Going by his contact rates, putting the bat on the ball is a real skill for him. He's only swung and missed eight times this year on 182 pitches and only three times on balls that are fully in the strike zone. The, the rest have been, uh, you know, either borderline pitches or, you know, whiffs on breaking pitches way out of the zone. Yeah. There's some power potential here. 
I, I would not bet on him tapping into it because it just appears to not be who he is, but it's there. You know, he can really put a charge into a ball. It just generally is at a low launch angle. So from an opportunity perspective, I think he's going to get all the opportunity he can handle because of injuries to Colin Moran and Philip Evans and the Pirates just generally being a bad baseball team. Uh, I had put that in much uh, not nicer terms earlier, and uh, I was forced <laughs> by my my co-host to to remove oh, that. Okay, okay. I didn't I didn't censor you. I suggested that you don't say that, and you took it to heart. I don't make you do anything. Don't 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 try to make me the villain here. Really, I, should, I won't I should, stand for that. I should have left it in and forced you to edit it out. Well, then it but, wouldn't. It just wouldn't have made any sense. That would have been ridiculous. Just every, to get, in, get, in literally every way, Schwebzy tries to make my life as hard as possible. Just get our favorite sound. <laughs> get our favorite sound bite, which is uh, my, our colleague Mikey Ahedo going beep, beep, beep. But so. Aside from the opportunity that has presented itself with playing time, every outfielder that the Cardinals, every outfielder that the Cardinals trade away turns out to be pretty good for at least a stretch. So let's bet on some reverse Cardinals devil magic here. I mean, I dig it. This is someone that I wouldn't never have even thought of, honestly. Um, and it's a pretty painless bet to take, honestly, right? Like he's a pretty, I mean, you can try this out for a bit. And like you said, the opportunity is one thing that we always harp on a ton in this podcast. And like you said, with both Philip Evans and Colin Moran uh, with injury, Nagowski is going to get a ton of reps, I feel like. So yeah, I love this pick. Honestly, Schweb, this is yeah. going to be great. I, I'm very excited to see after the All-Star break what he can do for the Pirates. This is also from some personal pain because uh, I watched Nagowski kill the Mets in the preseason, and I've watched him hit the ball really well against us uh, in this last four-game series. So he True. looks he genuinely looks good at the plate every time I've seen him. Love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think if I want to put in... Or like start a start an auction for him in my uh, auto new leagues or not? Because I feel like I mean at this point I'm pretty much out of the running in both my auto new leagues. I'm way way out of it. But just to have someone like Nagowski, if he can pop off and become like I know, like you said, there's some re reverse devil magic when it comes to former St. Louis Cardinals outfielders, which includes obviously Randy Arozarena. Who's the other one that you had in mind there? Um. Oh my God! I know there's another really prominent one that I'm blanking on. Yeah. I, I, Oscar like, Mercado I, popped off for a little bit. Oh, that's fair. Okay. And there was another one. Oh, I'm blanking. But again, opportunity is there. So I think that Nagowski is definitely worth a second look at least. Uh, if you need the help there, like corner infield or corner outfield. I don't know what his eligibility is like. Do it's, you know if he is eligible as, for both? To, to my knowledge, it is first base right now, but he's been playing outfield. So he should be eligible out there before long. Cool. Soon enough. All right. Good to know. Uh, speaking of someone else that, I mean, will also be getting outfield eligibility, hopefully pretty soon here. Uh, we're going to kind of do, we're, we're going to go on a downer a bit here and kind of talk about the stipulations of the, uh, I guess stipulations wouldn't be the correct word, the ramifications of Ronald Acuna Jr. season coming to an end. But, uh, it's so disappointing when you lose one of the biggest stars in the game who is incredibly fun to watch due to just an absolute freak non-contact injury. Like, it's, it sucks a ton. Um, and I hope that he has a really speedy recovery. But 
at any rate, we still have to talk about the stipulations and ramifications of that and what the Atlanta outfield is going to look like from here on out. Um, Shrebsy, do you have any thoughts on Acuna's injury? Uh, other than how bummed out I am about it? Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I hate that we have to, uh, you know, mentally move on so quickly to uh, figure out the fantasy implications. Yeah, it feels very uh, heartless in a way. I don't know. Like, I mean, I dwell on it just like at, from like as a baseball fan, obviously, because it, it just sucks. Like, it's super disappointing because he is one of the faces of the league at this point. Yep. Um, and losing a, pill- a pillar of the league like that, that is so popular and draws in so many fans because people love to watch him is kind of heartbreaking. Honestly, it's baseball is going to be less fun to watch without Ronald Lacuna playing this year. So that really I was, stinks. I was very curious to see if the Miami Marlins would plunk uh, Ari Adrianza in the leadoff at bat, like oh my uh, gosh, Wes. in memoriam. Oh wow! I mean, that would be one. That'd be one way to uh, memorialize this, the the injury. I mean, I, I I don't think that the Atlanta fan base has someone like Keelan who does uh, heaven for the White Sox, uh, but there would be a few people in uh, Atlanta heaven at this point unfortunately but okay uh, and just as a quick note the other outfielder that i was thinking of that the st louis cardinals traded away was adalis garcia oh the one person okay so yeah, we'll, I'll, talk, <laughs> I'll, I'll bring that up later we'll who, talk has, about who has Adelis nothing to garcia. do with this podcast in any way shape or form not at all it's never wink, been talked wink, about nudge, here nudge. um but no so let's talk about now the aftermath of this and now something someone that was brought up to the major league squad in congruence with the sending down of Kyle Muller was Orlando Arcia, which it was up in the air, whether he was going to stick with the big league club for the second half or not, after he got called up, I don't know if he was just like an extra bench bat that they wanted to have since they were moving to a four person rotation, uh, right before the all-star break. Cause they're inevitably going to call Kyle Muller back up, especially now with the injury to Ian Anderson, potentially keeping him on the IL for a bit. But Arcia, now with Acuna out for the season, very likely has a pretty clear path to tons of playing time. Um, I would expect him and the experiment of having him play out in left field to continue indefinitely at this point. Um, And he's actually been performing pretty well since he got called back up on the 4th of July. So since then, he's played in left field every day except for one, I believe, and before today's game, I wasn't able to get like the complete update sets, but he was hitting 350 since he got called up and he was carrying over a lot of the success that he's had in the minors. Cause in the minors, he was hitting 303. He had 13 homers and he was walking just as much as he struck out while he was down there. So that's super duper encouraging. He also chipped in a stolen base since he got called up too, which is fantastic. Um, I don't really expect him to be a guy that walks 10 plus percent of the time. Like he was in triple a, like he was only striking out like 10% of the time and uh, walking 10% of the time. But I do think that the sheer amount of playing time that he's going to get, plus the fact that he's going to be eligible at both shortstop and outfield soon enough for the rest of the season makes him a really, really great pickup for the rest of the season. Um, I would be aiming for Arcia because again, I don't think that the walk rate is going to be very high. I would aim for him in leagues where you count average rather than on base percentage. And then probably in 15 teamers or NL only rather than shallower mixed leagues. And that's pretty much it. And again, you're probably, well, you might be asking, 
why don't you recommend two guys that have been with the big league club for most of the season, Ahiri Adrianza or Guillermo Heredia. And it's just because I don't think that they have the ceiling that Arcia has. So I, that's why we, I chose to talk about Can I about take him. this one? Can I take this one? Yes. It's because they suck. Hey, easy. <laughs> easy with the negativity, Schwebzy. I don't think that they suck. I just think that their ceilings aren't as high as Arcia's. Hmm. I think that in certain situations, depending on what kind of pitcher you're facing, left or right-handers, like depending on the splits, both Adrianza and Heredia could put up a pretty good average. I just don't think that the rest of the profile, especially like the potential power profile, like Arcia has shown so far this year in AAA, is going to show up. So I think I just, I just really, I just want to force you into saying nice things about these two players. That's all. I just did. Are you happy now, Schwebzy? I just said nice things about players that you don't like. I'm triggered, really. I don't (laughs) like it. All right, so one more little bit of speaking of... Okay, so like obviously RCA just got called up. We're talking about Mueller getting called up and everything like that. We'll talk about him a little bit later too. But someone else that we found out, I think today... Was it today or yesterday that, that the news came out? I think it was just today, right? Yes, today. Yeah, we found out that Cal Raleigh or AKA... AKA... This one is of the, the greatest, one of the greatest nicknames I think I have ever heard in my life. As per uh, what was it, Jared Kelmick posted this yes. on Twitter. Big Dumper, <laughs> Cal Raleigh, aka Big Dumper, was called up and is uh, joining the show now, uh, and will be there, assumedly, through or after the All Star break. Uh, Schwebzy, how do we how do we feel about this, and what are I the feel... implications for Luis Torrens well, as well? Someone so... else you like. I feel like I'm circling the next Seattle versus Toronto matchup on my calendar so we can compare wagons between Raleigh and Vlad. (laughs) Uh, Who's got the bigger yams? That's what it comes down to. Really? I think like whoever wins, like Uh. just gets that nickname. (laughs) It's, it's the big dumper game. It's like constellations, the big dumper, the little dumper. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, all right. Uh, so, fantasy baseball. And not my <laughs> fantasy is baseball. Um, so Cal Raleigh has done nothing but mash in the minors. And uh, I, I know plenty of Mariners fans who have been just waiting for him to get the call. And it has happened. I'm actually a little bit surprised that it has happened when it did because Luis Torrens, who is the catcher right now, uh, is splitting time with Tom Murphy. Torrens has been torrid really he Uh ah, wordplay has not stopped hitting dingers so i i you as everyone knows by now because i won't shut up about it i went on a road trip recently saw a bunch of baseball games one of those baseball games was a mariners game we get it you're well traveled look at at you going to baseball games wow look at Uh, schwebzy he gets to go places Ooh, wow i've been to so many ballparks sorry i don't know why i'm doing that (laughs) <laughs> just uh, for for what it's worth the uh guaranteed rate ballpark was incredibly crowded and i was incredibly uncomfortable um Aww. so yeah uh, just feel bad now thank you uh luis torrens hit two home runs at that game and uh i could not believe it i was like what this guy hit her what uh sorry arrested development reference there <laughs> um and he has not stopped hitting home runs since he's got, I think it was seven home runs in the last 30 days for a catcher. Like that'll play. Yeah. And we were taking some time in the, uh, Twitch stream earlier to actually look at every one of Luis Torrens home runs on the year. 
and it was impressive stuff. Yeah, like, it, it was going oppo a lot. Like he wasn't the the interesting thing about his power is that he wasn't like purposely like seeking pitches to drive and turning on them or like you know trying to like uppercut swing or anything he was just mm-hmm. taking the pitch where it came inside outside fastball breaker whatever and driving it something that was concerning in Torin's profile is that uh, uh I, I think it was eight of the nine home runs he has on the year were against fastballs and the only yes. one the only breaker that he hit out of the park this year was a really grotesque uh hung curveball from Carlos Rodon. It was a very bad pitch. Uh mm-hmm. I, I think uh Kevin Newman would have hit that out of the ballpark. This is just the episode for Kevin Newman slander, I guess. Yeah, um, you're really going in. You're really beating that <laughs> horse. That horse is that that that's that's uh you've you have you have beaten that horse so much it has turned into glue. <laughs> I think is the correct way to phrase that. Anyways, it's perfect. Kevin Newman's a glue guy, right? It's what it's works. Wow. All right. So, um, yeah, uh, he, so he hasn't really hit breaking pitches. So no. maybe he's a one dimensional guy. Maybe he's a fastball only hitter. Uh, I'm a little surprised to see him still getting fastballs at this point at, I think it's like a 55, 60% rate. Maybe that will change. Uh, we've had this confusion. I've had this confusion before where I notice a guy is only hitting one type of pitch. It's like, why does he even get that pitch anymore? But I digress. Uh, I, I do think Torrance can be a continued source of power uh, as long as he doesn't get his playing time completely slashed. More mm-hmm. of a two catcher guy than a, a one catcher league kind of pickup. Yeah. Cal Raleigh, on the other hand, if Cal, like, I think Cal Raleigh has the same, um, like, kind of outlook right now at this moment without knowing what his playing time is going to be like, because I assume they're bringing him up to play at least half the time. If he gets the lion's share of the playing time, like there's single catcher league potential here. Yes. Because there's a lot of mediocre catchers right now. Like catcher is deeper than I expected, but there's no star power. Well, yeah, I feel like a lot of like just in general rostering catchers so far this year has been kind of riding waves. Like we saw yeah. to go back to someone that we talked about earlier in the season. It's like, Oh wow. Wilson Ramos just hit like a bunch of dingers all in a row. Mm-hmm. Also, there's been a very weird thing about just in general, Detroit Tigers catchers going on yeah. hot streaks, which has been very interesting to think. I just realized that now. Um, yeah. Wow. It was, it was yeah. Haas, Jake Rogers uh, and uh, yeah. Ramos early in the year. Yeah. Just it's crazy. I don't know, but yeah, riding Lately. those waves. Like lately, Texas Rangers catchers have been going off for some reason. Jonah Heim, Jonah John. Uh, oh God, I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm getting the name wrong. John Buck is that? That's not right. I think it's Joe Buck. Joe Buck? No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, that Stop was it. it. You're no, messing with that was me. A, uh, you, uh, you can't spell joke without Joe Buck. Um, uh, you can't whatever. spell Joe Buck without joke. Sorry, I did that backwards. <laughs> Continue. I apologize for railroading you. The, the, the Texas catcher, the Texas catcher that isn't Jonah Heim, hit like four home runs and ten plate appearances last week. It was ridiculous. Yes. Not that anyone had him on their team when it happened, but it happened. Oh, absolutely not. But yeah, so. Uh, one of like uh, Torrance has been the wave recently. Maybe Cal Raleigh will be the next wave. Who knows? But I think they're both going to be worth rostering in two catcher leagues for the near future. Yeah, I think I agree with you completely in terms of the the, uh, the potential here. Like Torrance, yeah, I think he's only 
rosterable in two catcher leagues and then Raleigh depending on what the playing time looks like and obviously he's one of I I wouldn't expect them to call him up unless he was going to get considerable playing time and I do think that if Big Dumper does get a fair amount of production out of that spot that he could have one catcher league potential so I really really like that one um I yeah like I I have said previously how badly I want Sam Huff to succeed yeah because of just who he is as a person and uh, and, and his stature and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of feeling the same about Cal right now. Yeah. Big, big dumper. Just literally just because of that nickname. I mean, just uh, I'm just excited for because big dumper is now out in the universe and everyone knows that that's his nickname. So I'm good. very, you, very God. Thank you, Jared Kelnick. That's like one of the best things you've given us this year. Like you hit um, like 120, but you gave us this. Yes. Um, I'm excited for the home run calls. Yeah. I I, I want to see how creative announcers and commentators that's a big, are going to get with That's it. a big dumper dinger. <laughs> uh, Dump that one into center field. Raleigh, Raleigh dumps that one into the left field <laughs> seats. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, I think that's all we got for hitters. So let's move on to... We, we, have, we have literally nothing written about those two catchers and talked for like five minutes. We kind of did great, didn't we? It was no, pretty it's, great. it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it. It's like, okay, we're going to talk a lot about these hitters and then just, you know, really quickly touch on these guys and that'll we're, keep we're our runtime time we're, down. We're, we're going to milk five minutes out of Big Dumper. That's oh, what we're going to do. Please um, don't phrasing. My God. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, moving on. We've only got a couple pictures to talk about. Again, one of our biggest things with our process of picking pitchers to talk about is that we usually look a lot into like upcoming matchups uh people that you can take advantage of as streamers things like that but with the all-star break like i said before it kind of puts a wrench in that we don't know who's going to be starting the first couple games after the all-star break people might reset their rotations things like that so there's not really good recommendations for us to give at this point until the picture becomes more clear next weekend so we just have a couple SPs that we want to talk about here. One that's an immediate ad, and then another one that we like as a stash for when he hopefully, eventually, fingers crossed, gets called up. So first one we talked about last week a bit, Kyle Muller. So Schwebzi, you wrote this one up. Go ahead, take it away. Right. So uh, you frame this as an immediate ad, and yes, I believe that should be the case, but yes. your league might not allow for it because he is currently in the minor leagues. Yes. So and i he's somehow dropped from like i think he was 22 percent owned rostered last week and now it's down to 12 and yeah, i'm sure 21 it's or 22 yeah i'm sure it's 100 because of that reassignment to the minor leagues and i get it i get it but really from an opportunity perspective things have only gotten better for muller since his last start because of uh we talked earlier in the podcast you you mentioned this ian anderson has a shoulder thing going on and it's kind of uh, up in the air right now shoulder injuries are never good that could be a lengthy stay maybe he's back in two weeks but the point is muller was already penciled in as the fifth starter after the all-star break and now you know bump him up a spot now he's the fourth guy at least short term. So he's going to get a turn in the rotation. Now, it seems increasingly likely after the Acuna sadness that the Braves are going to be sellers. And it would follow that Charlie Morton is a likely trade candidate. I I think it makes so much sense, maybe too much sense for Morton to get traded back to Tampa Bay. 
he likes it there. He wants to yeah. be there. He wanted to be there in the off season. It just kind of makes a ton of sense. And that would open up even more of a consistent rotation spot for Muller to slot into. As far as on-field production, I think Muller is like a little bit of fastball control away from being a legitimately really, really good starter. Like I'm talking like top 50, like easily. His stuff he, is so it, good, man. His stuff is really good. His slider and curveball are bananas. Uh, the slider, like he throws it in the zone half the time yep. and like they can't touch it. It's ridiculous. So. Like. So Jake DeGrom, his slider is fueled on chases. Like his yep. his he throws it out of the zone all the time and hitters just swing every time. Muller in the zone all the time and it still mm. works. So there's two legitimately good breakers and he pumps gas from the left side. Like he gets up to like 97. It's a really great combo if he can locate that fastball. If it finds the middle of the zone too much, he could he could get beat up. Uh, so if he can ever start elevating that thing or dotting it in the corners uh, along the edges, like it would be like a really devastating combo. There's no change up here, really. He's thrown a few. They haven't been good. But the other stuff might be good enough that it just doesn't really matter. So, yeah, he's in the minors right now. But this is purely like roster manipulation for the Braves to uh, get through their uh, you know final couple games before the All-Star break. Yep. And the second the Braves need a fourth starter again, which is going to be like, you know, game four after the break, Muller's going to be that guy right now. It might be a tough second half in Atlanta in general, but I think you're going to want to have Muller rostered regardless. Like in this 20% and under range, he might be literally the only pitcher I like. Like he, he's really good. Like he's, yeah. Like once, so his first start after the all-star break is going to be against the Padres, I believe, which is not ideal probably not something i would actually run him out there for i would leave him on the bench for that one most likely but i I have a feeling that he could go on a really big run in the second half and quickly jump above that 20 percent mark and leave us completely flailing trying to pick pitchers we like down there yes i mean uh yeah he's he's definitely my favorite person to add if i can get him right now in most leagues uh and like you said that drop off in roster ship because obviously he was reassigned. I understand that it's very hard if he is in the minor leagues to like keep him on your roster or even get him now at this point. But if he is available in your league and you can get him, both Schwebsy and I uh, enthusiastically implore you to do it if you can. Again, like, and like, I know you said that you, I think you said somewhere in here that he doesn't have a changeup or anything like that. And maybe that's kind of a downside to his arsenal. But the thing is, like you said, he's got two insanely good breakers that have put up great CSWs in his past couple of starts. And the fastball is, I mean, from the left side is electric at 97. So that, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, I don't know. I can't say enough good stuff about Kyle Muller. Right. It's it's important to have two pitches that he can throw in the zone. Yes. Like, and that he's got that in the slider and the fastball and he gets chases on the curve. So Perfect. one last bit of Braves, uh, just hypotheticals here. So we were talking before about their outfield situation and Adrianza, um, Arcia, and Heredia. They have Pache and Waters still looming. Do do we think that Pache and or Waters could have a big role for this uh, second half in uh, Atlanta? I think maybe at some point, but I could also... uh, Oh man, it's tough. I don't know if they necessarily would bring them up and give them reps... At least until, especially if they're not in the running. 
September call-ups, maybe. Yeah, like later in the year. Yeah, I don't think that. Like, a... I, don't, I don't think fantasy relevancy is actually going to be there until unless it's going to be like super duper late in the season. Yeah, Waters is a uh, at the futures game right now. Yes. Also, Michael Harris, who is uh, not in uh, the advanced leagues like the other two guys, so he will absolutely not be making an appearance in Atlanta yeah. this September. But uh, yeah, Bears thinking about for maybe a you know a stash or a late season addition. I, I like Waters' offensive upside a lot more than uh, Pache. Oh, agreed. Pache is very much a defensive-minded uh, prospect. Like He can like run into balls and hit them very, very hard occasionally, but he is not known for his bat. He is known for his defense and his ability to cover ground in the outfield. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if I'm picking... I, I, I think I would probably fade him. I would rather have Waters if I chose between the two, if they both get like a September call-up to kind of get more reps in the big leagues yeah, and face and that- big league pitching. That goes for Dynasty for me, too. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's move on now. So now I'm going to talk a bit about who I think is going to be my favorite prospect who I think could get called up in the second half to play a big role for a playoff-bound team in theory, and that's Shane Boz for the Tampa Bay Rays. So Boz is actually, even though he's in AAA and just got promoted like two or three weeks ago, he's rostered in 14% of Yahoo leagues right now, which is a pretty high number. That's higher than Muller, even though Muller's been very dominant, I feel like, in comparison to Boz um, and in the majors. So that's interesting. Uh, and while Boz still remains in AAA after just getting there a few weeks ago, I think that he's probably going to be my favorite person to stash in redraft leagues if I can hang on to him. Obviously, injuries aside, if you have the roster space, it makes sense if you can't do it. Uh, but I would absolutely get him if you can. So in 11 starts so far in the minors this year, split between AA and AAA, Boz has a 2.09 ERA with a 2.17 FIP to support that. So, I mean, it's not really fluky. It's a very like accurate number of what his performance has been. He's also been striking out batters at like a ridiculous clip of 13.41 per nine, which is a market improvement over his 2019 ratios, which is around like 10 per nine. So he's striking out way more people. Um, I think the thing that inspires the most confidence in me, though, when it comes to Boz is that he's walking way fewer people than he used to. So like back in 2019, when there actually was a minor league season, he was walking four plus per nine. And that's been his MO the entire time he was in the minor league system there for the Rays. This year, he's been able to drop that all the way down to 1.39 walks per nine. So that's a that's a massive improvement. Really, really great to see. Um, and the thing is, with Glass now getting hurt, maybe some pitchers getting stretched thin, pitchers with innings limits, it would just make sense to me that they would bring up uh, Shane Boz to help fill in some innings especially with how dominant he's been and also the Rays are in the hunt for a divisional title they're only like a game or two back right now from the Red Sox so I don't think there's any reason that they would hold Boz back if they think that he is at all ready for the majors um long story short he is by far and away my favorite starting pitcher prospect that hasn't seen the majors yet that I think is going to get called up and make a huge impact when he gets the call I love it I mean, the Tampa Bay pitching factory just produces really this was a, this was Pittsburgh. Thanks Pittsburgh. But yeah. uh, just another outstanding arm that we're just, just waiting to see in action. Yeah. I mean, the fastball is fantastic. The slider is really, really good. I mean, Shane, Shane Baz uh, uh, in the futures game today struck out the aforementioned Michael Harris on basically an unhittable 99 mile an hour inside. He fastball. was screaming them in there. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, his velo is like, he's hitting like 99, can hit triple digits uh, with like regularity. I will say that he hasn't pitched more than five innings so far this year in any of his outings, which is something to think about. So I think he's probably going to be like a bullpen arm or like an opener where he's going to be pitching three to four innings probably if he does get the call. But that's still more than enough at the end of the year if you need like a good ratios guy. Yeah, if he's another McClanahan, like yeah. that, that's fine. That's great. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're all begging for McClanahan to go five or six innings, but he's yes. still good. He is absolutely good. He did go six innings in his second to last start, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So that's always encouraging to see. But all right, uh, then just some real quick hits of guys that we've covered previously. We've uh, Ranger Suarez pitched like what two point one innings today? My guy, this is your dude. You called this out last week. This was a good one, Schwebs. Yeah. So uh, the Phillies had about uh, I, I I think four guys had to. Uh, be set aside for uh covid violations or or uh, close contact something i don't we they, don't have they, details they were uh showing symptoms of a sickness of some sort and due to the fact that are there are people and they haven't reached the threshold of vaccination rates on the team um they had to be held out due to covid protocol so and yeah, i think so, that also included joe girardi potentially yes yeah so, so a bunch of phillies are down they're shorthanded so and their bullpen is atrocious to begin with. So what do they do? They let Ranger Suarez pitch 2.1 innings for the save. And he does it with a plum getting striking out four over those 2.1 innings. I was like a, like a week ago or two weeks ago, I was looking at the Phillies bullpen going like, good Lord, what are, what are they going to do? And then I'm looking, I'm like, yeah. this Suarez looks real good. And looked into him and I'm like, this is this should be the guy. And it turns out he is. So I'm, I'm taking my little little tykes car out for a victory lap on this one i think uh as you of, should like uh we're about i mean heath and heath hembry is another one yeah heath, like i thought that brad brock brad brock might be the guy brad and uh his changeup has failed him because he's gotten annihilated in his last two appearances so <laughs> would, would you say that he's a sad brad brock he is a sad brad brock sad brad brock. uh yeah anyways sorry <laughs> Red Rock cast explosion. Uh, <laughs> Self-destruct. <laughs> ah, how fitting. Red Rock uh, has fainted. Uh, uh, so yeah, like I, I dude, Heath Hembry has been unbelievable this year. It's absurd. He basically, uh, he basically either gets whiffs or gets like allows tanks. And lately it's been whiffs. Like it's <sighs> the weird, it's, it's a really fun profile from like, just like what's going to happen next. Who knows? But uh, lately, he's been dominant. He's striking out the world. But I think between Hembry and Suarez, I think I like Suarez more. Okay, why do you think that is? Less less of an implosion liability. Okay, I could see that. Like I think yeah. Hembry had like Hembry's ceiling is higher, but I I think I think uh, Suarez is safer. Yeah, I mean, but- I think after Suarez's performance it likely earns him quite a bit of trust. Um, Cause I remember like a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about like, Oh, who should I add from that Phillies bullpen? I was like, do I just add Archie Bradley? So I added him and TGFBI and like, he didn't do anything. And also like, but, yeah, eventually the guys in Cincinnati are going to come back from injuries. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be a lot of people to fight over uh, scraps with there. And yeah. I feel like Suarez is going to have a lot fewer people to, uh, to try to bully around to try to yeah, get those so opportunities. I, I don't want to spend too long on this because we're going to, shockingly, we are going to go long. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
Suarez, Hembry, and uh, Hansel Robles is another guy are all in kind of the same rostered range. They're all around uh, Suarez and Robles are at 17%. Hembry is at 14%. Yep. And uh, I, I think Robles is my least favorite of the three because I, I think the Twins are the least uh, good of those teams, are going to give him the fewest opportunities. And uh, he may be just as flammable as Hembry. Uh, and with less upside than Hembry, apparently, because Hembry has this newfound slider that just strikes the world out while Robles is yeah. kind of just what he has always been. And uh, the last player that I want to mention here is a non-closer, uh, Logan Webb. We've talked about him before. Yes, we have. I, I am a big Logan Webb stan. Uh, his breakers are filthy. His slider and his changeup are both elite. And uh, he came off the I.L., and uh, it was a risky play because uh, you know we 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 literally have a term for this when guys come off the IL because it's a risky start. It's the still yes. ill. Yep. But uh, he did really well. He pitched three innings. I think he gave up one hit with four strikeouts. And uh, yeah, uh, I think I think Logan Webb is back. Uh, there is a caveat here. He got sent back to Triple A short for uh, to get stretched back out. Uh, over, I guess over the All Star break. Uh, I. I just ballparking it i would assume that he's going to be down there for two more starts so yeah that's I, about right so i i figure we will see logan webb back up in the majors uh, you know last week of july and uh i will be plugging him into every single lineup that i can as soon as he's back up yeah i have him sitting on many uh il right now in lots of my leagues i'm very excited for when he does make his return it's gonna be great um yeah I think that's all we have for pitchers. Again, like we said, it's going to be shorter because we usually rely on a lot of matchup-based recommendations and there are not any matchups to look at, really. Uh, so now to kind of fill out the back end of this episode, we're going to do some really, really quick hits and <laughs> just talk end. about the back end of this in. already. We're, okay, to be fair, we BS'd for like a good two-ish <laughs> minutes up front. So it's only 52 minutes That's is fair. how far we're in right that's now. That's fair. Yeah, it's whatever. Um so we're just going to take a couple quick victory laps uh, on guys like during the first half that we felt like we called them out early ish in the season and they've kind of delivered. And then we're also going to talk about a couple people each that we do not feel great about either one. Well, in my case, yeah. one, I, re I recommended one guy and I also told people to be very cautious, cautious about someone else who just continued to do well um, and, and maybe look dumb. We're going to be as fair as we can be here, but it's it's really hard with how infrequently I'm wrong, but we're going to try. Oh, God. Get over yourself. <laughs> Get over yourself, Schwebzy. Don't listen to this man. We, we are wrong a fair amount. We are right a good amount, but we, we are always going to be wrong just as much as we are right. I feel like we're probably about a, We're hitting about 500, which is still pretty good. Um, it's Hall right, of Fame, baby. One, Hall of Fame, baby. That's us. Hall, Podcast Hall of Fame. <laughs> we made it. First ballot. Uh, all right. So my first victory lap is going to be one that is probably, I mean, if anyone has listened to the podcast from the beginning which, I mean, if you have, wow. I mean, I can't believe you stuck with us. Thank you. <laughs> but um, my, mine's going to be... I'm sorry. That, yeah, exactly. My sentiment, exactly. Uh, it's going to be Nico Horner. Um, and Nico has delivered about what I thought he would. Like, he hasn't hit any home runs so far this year, which is kind of a downer, obviously. But he's been delivering a stellar average. He's playing a ton when he's healthy because he had his little stint on the IL after his... I think it was a hamstring issue. Um uh, but he plays stellar defense. He's been hitting for he's been hitting 330 this year, which is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, his slash line's been 330, 389, 412 with 10 runs, 10 RBIs, and three stolen bases, and that's only in 27 games. So, I mean, just 
extend that out to a full like 150 in a year and he's putting up pretty good rates there um the one downside about nico i think now is that while he is getting a ton of playing time the cubs are going to be sellers before the trade deadline which means that i think the offensive outlook for the entire team is going to diminish as a whole uh when you're not surrounded by guys like i mean i can fully expect chris bryant to get traded he's been the biggest name that's been getting thrown around i mean perhaps they also move rizzo i really don't know who they're going to move um but i think they're going to get worse offensively before the deadline comes so that kind of stinks obviously the power not being there at all is a downer as well but like his hit tool his speed and his defense are all going to make sure that he continues to contribute um Again, from the beginning, I always thought that his position was going to be secure once he got the call because of that stellar defense. And the biggest thing that we always harp on is opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And between the fact that he plays that stellar defense, his hit tool is fantastic, and once they do make these trades, he's not going to really be challenged for playing time by, like, anyone. So I think that with that in mind, he's going to be hitting near the top of that lineup in the future. And that's going to also bump up his stock. So I think that I hit this one out of the park personally, but that's just me. So, so what do you like, what, what are our lessons learned here? What, what do you, what did you see about Nico that has worked that you, you think you can take forward in further analysis? Is it like the swing change or just, you know, paying attention to opportunity? I think a little bit of both. Like, I mean, that's one thing that you have to look at. Uh, during spring training and things like that is guys that make approach changes, mechanical changes that are really, really noticeable um, and seeing what kind of effect those have in spring training. Obviously we saw Nico find a great bit of success in spring training with that change swing. Um, There was a lot of talk about it from different outlets in the preseason. So paying attention to that different stuff, reading a ton and like trying to absorb as much as you can about what changes guys made over the off season to improve their hitting or their defense or whatever it may be. Cause that's the thing too. There's some guys that might have really good bats who play really, really bad defense. So maybe they're learning a new position or they're uh, improving the defense at the position that they already play. So they can actually get that playing time. Like stuff like that is really important. Um, and yeah, again, finding that opportunity, like if you're going to be in the starting lineup pretty much every day, that's value in and of itself. Yeah. I think, I think it's valuable to notice that certain types of players can just step into the majors and be exactly who we thought they were going to be like your nico horner your nick madrigal who was basically also nico horner just more expensive yeah exactly Uh, so you know maybe maybe there's some hidden value in these uh uh players that i would call slapdick players and just to you know step into a lineup and be kind of good every day Exactly. Yeah, this is, I mean, like, Nico's going to be a guy that's going to score you, I think, a fair amount of runs, just surely due to how fast he is. As long, I, I think if like, that's one area that I would love to see him improve in is to see him show greater. I know that we've talked about this previously. Schwebzi has harped on this a ton, saying that stolen bases are largely intent-based. Nico Horner is so fast. He's like 91st or 92nd percentile in sprint speed in the league. I really wish he would try to steal more bases. I really, really do. I think that he could probably be like a 25-30 steal guy if he actually cared about stealing bases. Um, but I, I think with like like being on the same team as Javi Baez, I don't think there's going to be any roadblocks. I think if uh, if the team thinks he can do it, I think they'll encourage it. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And then, like, who knows what I mean? Oh, that's the thing, too. I mean, if they traded away, uh, I don't I don't think they I don't know if they would trade away Javi or not. Do you think they would trade away Javi at the, before the deadline? 
who knows? I think they're going to trade away whoever can get them the most value, honestly. That's fair. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take my turn here. Yes, please. And uh, I'm going to put away the little tykes car and I'm going to take out the little tykes Jeep because this is an extra big victory lap. This is the victory lap to end all victory laps. Look, look, I will, I will rip myself later, but I'm, I'm taking this where I can get it. Fair enough. Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers is a player that I called out pretty adamantly preseason in on multiple outlets. Like we, we have, we did a guest uh, appearance on, on the wire where we, we did a draft. Uh, It was, it was us and the hosts of two other podcasts. So six people, and we did a draft uh, consisting only of post 300 uh, ADP players. And uh, I think this pick alone made uh, made in the deep the winners of that draft because uh, Trevor Rogers, is, he's gone from a draft afterthought to a yeah. potential NL Cy Young vote getter. It's, it's rare when you can look at a 22-year-old's performance and say like, oh, he underperformed and this is going to happen next year. And like, that's pretty much exactly what happens. Like yeah. he's basically doing this year exactly what the peripherals last year said he should have been doing, which, you know, that's not how advanced stats are supposed to work. Like there, you know, a lot <laughs> no. of those X stats aren't predictive, which you'll hear like people like, you know, Saris, uh, Tang, uh, Tom Tango. Uh, no, it's not Tom Tango. Is it Tango Tiger? Yeah, Tom Tango. It is Tom Tango. Isn't it? His, his Twitter is Tango Tiger, whatever. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm smart. Uh, no, his name is definitely Tango Tiger. That's, that's gotta be a real, real name. Um, so yeah, like X stats aren't predictive, but in this case we were able to use them to identify a, an incoming breakout because, uh, yeah, I, all the indicators were there. He, he is a, uh, Trevor Rogers is a physical beast. Uh, the performance was there and the actual outputs weren't so we were able to uh use that as an opportunity to buy low and anybody who listened to me and the other fantasy analysts who were uh you know really uh cheering on trevor rogers in the preseason uh that, man if you if you took advantage and listened you were you are really doing well right now yeah i try i tried to like let him fall too far in multiple drafts and i feel real bad about it now so there Dude. is that in in TGFBI, like I had uh, Micah from Fantasy Central in my yeah. draft, and he swiped Trevor Rogers like two rounds before I was going to. I'm like, man, you oh, must wow. be a believer. And he was like, yep. He... Micah's a smart dude. He knows he his is. stuff. Yeah, no, I got I swiped uh, I swiped Kikuchi from him, who which is going to come into play in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, brag away, Schwebzy, brag away. Oh, I just realized also because Trevor Rogers is a lefty, correct? Yes. Yeah. All three of the pitchers that we're taking victory laps on are all lefties. Ah, look at I that. I just realized. Well, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so um, who, who's, uh, who's your pitcher? Oh, so my pitcher is, uh, he's basically Trevor Rogers, like, if we're being completely <laughs> honest. Um, so, no. <laughs> no. So, my pitcher has been a bit of an enigma so far this season because I don't. I'll, I'll get to it in a second. It's Austin Gomber. He's hurt right now. Uh, he's been making, he made a rehab, uh, or sorry, he threw a bullpen session. He's going to be throwing a simulated game and then should probably have like a couple of rehab starts. I would anticipate that he's back in like two or three weeks ish. But um, Austin Gomber has been like an absolute enigma so far this season. So he's managed to tame Coors Field somehow. 
He's got a 1.48 ERA at home over 30 innings. Is is that is that not absurd to you? Wait, wait where is that home field? Coors Field? Oh yeah, that's pretty high up, right? Yeah, it's pretty high. It's pretty high in the air. Wait, am I missing a joke? No, no. It's real high. It's 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 what? No, it's no, it's incredible. It's incredibly high field. Um, air's real thin up there. Ball yeah, go the air's far. Incredibly, yeah, we're gonna watch balls go far. To, literally tomorrow, uh, we're gonna see how far those balls go. But yes, the fact that he is able to keep the ball in the park and just pitch as well he, as he has in Coors has been just absurd. But then his away splits are abysmal. He's got like a 5.06 ERA over 48 innings in away games. Although that includes like two pretty big blowups. One of them being a nine earned run outing over 1.2 innings against uh, the giants in Oracle, which is, I mean, that that's gonna, that's gonna balloon your stats regardless. Um, it, it literally spawned like a fantasy baseball Twitter, like term, like it was getting, it, yeah. Getting gombered. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, it's fantastic. So yeah, and he's been like a bit, a bit of like a Jekyll and Hyde so far this year. Well, you and made me eat crow on this one because you picked Gomber for a spot start, and I was like, I "You're get your bets get Gomber, it's gonna happen." And then that's and then he started pitching amazingly for like yeah. weeks. Yeah, there was like six or seven starts in a row where he just went off and was fantastic. Like I mean, he had two different, two separate eight inning outings where he gave up either like I think the one he he had didn't give up runs until the very like end of the game he gave up two runs and then the other one he threw eight shutout innings at home in Coors against the Padres of all people which is absurd and like the thing is is like there's a very clear delineation between when he was kind of getting knocked around earlier in the season and when he started doing really well and that's when he started throwing his fastball less and throwing his change up more so like I mean all three of his secondaries, his uh, curveball, changeup, and his slider, all have a CSW of over 30. And the thing is, he started throwing his fastball less around like 30 to 35% of the time rather than like 40 plus. And then working in those secondaries more, particularly the changeup, which has been fantastic for him. Um, and he's been fantastic. He uses those to kind of keep hitters off balance. And then he's able to really command his fastball and put it where he wants it and get tons of called strikes. And that's the recipe for success for him. And that's the thing too. He's not like a big strikeout guy by any means. He's just going to be a guy who commands his entire arsenal really well and keeps people off balance. That's it. Um, again, the super tur- the huge turning point for him was when he started throwing his changeup way, way more. And there's, a very very clear delineation between when he was like bad early in the season and when he was good and that's when he started doubling his usage on his changeup. So as long as he keeps that mix going, I think that we're going to continue to see success from him once he can build back up in the second half. So th- this was actually a nice like lesson learned for me mid-season because yeah. the numbers said he was good. And they did. I- and I was just like Nah, he's a meme. Like he had that blow up start. He's not any good. It's Gomber. He's gonna. He's, yeah, but no. Like I, I, I did not. I, I just let myself be part of the herd and just laugh at Austin Gomber when he was legitimately putting it together. Just imagine if my meme, like my very offhanded meme comment of, I think that I think that I think that the Rockies won the Nolan Arenado trade actually somewhat came true because Gomber ends up having like an insane like maybe not wins losses good, but just like ratios numbers good. What if he just ends up being like a really, really good pitcher for them? The the Rockies weren't paying fifty million dollars for the Cardinals to take Nolan Arenado. They were paying fifty million dollars to get Austin Gomber. Exactly. Because he's worth it. 
Because you're worth it, Austin Gomber. <laughs> All right, uh, Schwabzi, let's go to your second uh, victory lap here, and then we'll get to our kind of kind of, kind of our stinkers. Yes, uh, you say Kikuchi, who uh, I actually got to watch pitch the other day, and he's it's fun. I got to watch him pitch against the White Sox, and the White Sox are notable for dominating lefty starters. And you know what they didn't do? Hit you say Kikuchi well because Kikuchi's just really really good. He he's interesting to me at this point um we were we were talking about him in the twitch stream leading up to this podcast yes and i was looking at his pitches and i was looking at his production and it kind of gave me like 2020 zach wheeler vibes because he has really really good stuff uh we we were looking at his uh velocity and he peaked at 98.8 this year you know he doesn't get up there that often but he's got that in him and he gained this he gained velo since coming over to the states like he wasn't uh you know he averages like 95 and change on his fastball now and that was not Mm -hmm. the case uh two years ago so he's gained velo he throws one of the filthiest cutters in all of baseball the ground rate on it is insane and he throws he's got a good slider to boot the question now is, can he strike out more batters? Because that's all that's missing for him to become a true fantasy ace as opposed to like, you know, a really good number two guy. I think he can get there. It might require a fourth pitch, maybe something that moves in the opposite direction from the rest of his repertoire. You know, maybe uh, maybe a changeup, maybe a curveball. I don't know, but uh, it, it might be the key to unlocking another gear. But even if nothing changes, he's really, really good right now. He was in yeah. the 30s on Nick Pollock's list uh, uh, last week before uh, he had a bad start against the Yankees, which is understandable because the Yankees have a ton of righty batters and they're all pretty good righty batters. It's literally all just righties, I feel like, that entire yeah. team, except for what it's now Odor and there's like one other lefty on the team. Yeah. So, I mean, that wasn't surprising. Yeah. Um, I, I think Kikuchi's really really good and i th- there might be another gear here i really hope so that'd be great i mean he's, he's not like a young guy by any means but the fact that he's had like you said that increase in velocity steadily over the past few years is really encouraging too that just takes him to a different level at the end you of know the day. like what i noticed when we were going through this uh we What's were that? doing this exercise we kind of like we we nailed a lot of starting pitcher breakouts like well ahead of time you know like we we only like really committed hard to a few of them uh you know including some of the ones we just mentioned yeah but uh yeah i i really liked uh the job we did like uh, analyzing starting pitchers heading up to the season like uh you know we we talked about mize scoobal uh disclafani webb gomber and uh this was all in march yeah so i mean we did we did and that's kind of surprising too because usually like finding starting pitcher breakouts is the tough thing to do or tougher i feel like i don't know yeah this Um, this makes me this makes me feel good about uh our you know pitching analysis and also makes me want to work harder on the hitting stuff i mean we do work for pitcher lists so i guess you know kind of we should be good at pitching stuff very on brand always we're company shills is what we are at the end of the day, we're just coming. We're just trying to ingratiate ourselves to Nick. We're just Nick we're just mouthpieces for Nick Pollock. He does all the pitching stuff. <laughs> He's a, he actually writes this podcast. This is surprisingly this is completely scripted. <laughs> <laughs>
So uh, how about some uh, how about some apologies? Because uh, we've we've been pumping ourselves up way too much. Uh, there's some negatives here. Yeah, there's definitely some negatives. So I want to start with someone uh, that I was super high on coming into the season because he's got a great mustache and he just seemed like a cool dude. Oh God, uh, I have an Randy autographed Dobnick. card of his. Randy Dobnik. I know you, I convinced that you I, to buy, that I, I purchased on purpose. I convinced, <laughs> I convinced you to buy an autograph card essentially because I, I was went on eBay, so typed in his name, and bought this card. Oh God, yeah, uh, Randy Dobnak. Uh, I'm I don't, I'm not going to go super deep into this one. Like I. I was super in love with him in spring training. I thought his slider looked way better than it did last year. He looked like a, an actual legit K pitch. He was striking guys out in spring yeah, training. We all was, fell for it. Again, we can't really take spring training too seriously, a la Kevin Newman. Good God. The Brady Singer. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, and I, I also just thought that right out of spring training, I thought that he was going to be locked for a rotation spot, which he very clearly was not. And now he's kind of just like relegated to the minors and would likely only really serve as an inning eating bullpen arm if he got the call again. So this one is like, it's one that made me particularly sad because I really wanted him to do well. But again, we can't win them all. And it shows you to kind of take spring training performances with a grain of salt every single time. So yeah, that's all I really got on Dobnak. Uh, Schwebzy. Yeah, it's just you can you can sometimes it's just good process bad results right like we were the thing Dobnak was missing was whiffs and specifically whiffs on the slider and he was getting them in spring training so you would think you know he's taking a step but it it doesn't always work out that way so I don't know if there's necessarily a, a lesson learned there uh, but yeah uh, unfortunately this one didn't work out. So uh, as far as uh, an apology for me, I was very uh, I was very vocal on the the, the tweets, the twitters uh, about yeah real Old. boomer energy. I'm oh, sorry, God. <laughs> uh, I was I was really adamant about fading Nate Low this year, and I was you were pretty wrong, and I'm still fine with the choice I made. Uh, and, and like the the statistics that I used, I feel I'm I'm happy with how I went about it. Yes. But, uh, so the the reason I was fading him specifically was that uh, Nate Lowe is absolutely abysmal against fastballs. Um, he can't hit fastballs that are above like 92 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and that would seem to be a deal breaker as far as being a good hitter, or especially at least in today's it, game with as many right. people that have like velocity. And it seemed that way to me that that uh, he wouldn't be able to succeed long term. It stands but to reason. We are three and a half months into the season. He's been very good, or maybe not very good. He's he's been serviceable. He's he's been he's been, he's been above look, average. I would look, say I have him as a one dollar corner infielder in my AL only league, and I have loved him. He's even chipped in yeah. some stolen bases. He's been fine. But I tell you what. Every single time I get a notification that Nate Lowe has hit a home run, I run to baseball savant and I check to see if he hit it on a fastball and he never does. <laughs> it's it is always off. It is always off a hanger or or a low changeup or something. It's if, you, if does, you think but, if you think that Schwebzy is lying when he says that he literally every single time every Nate time. Lowe hits a home run, he <laughs> messages I, me. And then I DM Jordan <laughs> instantly. Yes. Instantly. Oh God. So I I mean, look, he he's good enough at hitting mistakes and uh, breaking pitches that I guess it makes up for the fact that he can't hit a fastball. Uh, I don't know why he doesn't just get pumped fastballs every time, but uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. He, uh, he has pushed through and uh, been good. And 
I guess it uh it has uh, the lesson learned here is don't pick out one flaw to completely you know kill your view of a player because yeah, don't fixate right and i absolutely did that i saw this one thing and i'm like no way that is too important of a thing there is no way he can succeed but i i was clearly wrong on that yeah i think fixating on like one negative of a player while they can absolutely i'm not saying that's like players can't get exploited on that specifically batters um i think fixating on one very bad aspect of their game is a dangerous way to kind of just like dismiss a player as a whole. Cause there are ways that they can contribute otherwise. And obviously like Nate, Nate Lowe, he's made or Nate Lowe, excuse me, has made the most of the opportunities that he's gotten. Like you said, on those off-speed pitches, those pitches below 92 miles an hour. Yeah. So and- I, I am sorry to Nate Lowe, the Lowe family, uh, the Texas Rangers organization, the state of Texas, and to the one specific PL plus uh, member who is a paying member of PL plus. And I specifically told him to bench Nate Lowe on the day he hit a dinger. So I'm sorry to, to, to you specifically. You darn with all fool. Those other people. You darn fool. How dare you do that? Uh, yeah, not of all, not all of our advice is always going to be good. Um, all right. Uh, my second one that I want to apologize for is also someone that I said that people should avoid. Um, speaking of which, uh, that's Jonathan scope for, for what it's worth. I think you're being too hard on yourself here. I did say that he can go on streaks and he can be very, very good, but I told, I, I, I am taking this as an L. Yes, I am being hard on myself a little bit, but I'm taking this as an L because I told people to be very wary about picking him up because that streak could end at any given moment and you might end up getting burned by having him in your starting lineup for like a couple of weeks where he just fades completely and just stinks. But since I said that on May 31st, He's just gone and thrown up a 324, 356, 615 slash line with 11 home runs, 26 runs, and 33 RBIs. So basically, that's past month and a half, which is an absurd pace. And he's hitting second in the lineup like every day for the Tigers. So I just want to basically say here that I was kind of pretty wrong about him. And it seems like he actually has been able to keep this up at a relatively steady pace. That's pretty much it. Like, I don't know. I feel bad for not pushing harder for people to pick him up um, because his lineup spot is premier. Like two spot. I mean, I feel like in today's game, the two spot is very often where the best hitter in the lineup goes. Hitting in between studs, Akil Badu and Eric Haas. Absolute, absolute murderer's row. I'm not even being sarcastic. I love Uh, both of them. I mean, Badu, an on-base machine. Haas, just surprisingly powerful. Badu, another player that we actually called out uh, in, in March. That was early, too. Yeah. And we did that mostly because Huth was super high on him. He, Shout no, out Trevor Huth. Because he was a completely different player than that he was today when he was mashing homers in spring training. <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah. that's. I mean, his evolution is something that Scott that, Chu has constantly barked about Good and chronicled. Results. Like, yeah. that's. I mean, that's partial luck there that we called that's, him out. because 100% yeah. luck. But, I mean, that's been fun to watch him, hasn't it? Yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, that was one of the games I went to and he looked like he, he looked like the best player on the field, at least the best player on the Tigers, which yes. I guess isn't hard, I guess. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyways, Shubsy, I think this is the last one before we wrap it up. What is your yeah. what is your final apology tour that you'd like to go on? So I actually had a, a small uh, epiphany while I was, uh, you know, mentally preparing for this like 30 seconds ago. Oh, um, OK. So. The, the overall theme of this apology is 
it, it, it's kind it, <laughs> okay it's kind of just a lesson learned more than a specific player but there are specific okay. examples i i think i have placed too much uh priority on or or, or or forgiven too much performance by just leaning on prospect pedigree Okay. Uh, like I, I think I'm just giving it too much credit. I'm weighting it too heavily compared to actual on-field performance and numbers. I can think of at least one person for sure that you're going to talk about here. Uh, that's a very evident example from a very early episode. To be fair, when we were not not to as refined fair. in our pro. To be fair, we're, we're we're 80 minutes into this thing. I can do that. Oh, absolutely. If someone's <laughs> listening this long, good for you. You're but welcome. To be fair. To be fair. So, uh, yeah, Carter Keeboom is, I'm sure, who you're thinking of. Yep, that is exactly who I was yeah, thinking uh, of. Yeah, I was way too high on Carter Keeboom. Um, but uh, really, mm-hmm. I can just I can just shirk all responsibility and blame uh, Shelly on that one, right? Because she liked him, too. Yeah, definitely. Can, yeah, de- I, yeah. So, a very, very good optics blaming blaming Shelly. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I don't have, like, original thoughts. I'm just parroting what other people say, whatever. Don't. That's fine. No, no, I so I I saw Carter Keeboom's uh he, he seemed to have a decent plate approach at in the majors, even though he couldn't hit mm-hmm. a lick. And nope. I, I I ignored the fact that he couldn't hit a lick, and I ignored the fact that the nationals were reluctant to keep giving him opportunities, which seems to be a, you know a damning in uh indictment. Yeah. So uh yeah, I, I leaned way too heavily on the fact that he was a former top five prospect and I, you know, ignored all the facts in front of my face. And uh, this has happened with other players. Uh, Danny Jansen, uh, I although Danny Jansen seems like he might be coming around. I hope that I'm wrong on this. He had a very short streak where he was pretty good earlier. Yeah, like I think it was like late May. Early, yeah, like, like early June where he had like a couple weeks where he was pretty good, but he's kind of fallen back off a bit again. Like, look, I hope that I'm wrong on all these players. I hope I hope that Carter Keeboom comes up and hits, but the Nationals opted to sign Alcides Escobar instead. And that seems like another, you know, check uh, against Keeboom. Yeah. But um, I'm, I, and the little epiphany that I had is I really, really hope that I'm not making the same mistake with Spencer Howard, who I really like. Ooh. But Ooh. has displayed very uh, like not a great ability to get players out in the majors. So I, I hope this isn't another instance of that. I'll I'll probably still cling to Spencer Howard in at least my NL only league. But uh, I'm I'm definitely uh, keeping a closer eye on that and making sure that I'm not letting his former really high prospect ranking blind me. Yeah, I mean you're always going to be like really high on your minor league guys to a certain extent, you're going to want to hang on as long as possible with them. Just like, I don't know, out of instinct, I guess, and out of like just desire for, to like, I don't know, there, there's a certain part of us that I think we want to have our ego stroked by being right. And that's part of the reason why we hang on to some uh, prospects for so long. At least that's kind of the thing that I see here. Um, I think one thing that we also hung on to is like that we fixated on that we thought was going to be a bigger deal with Keyboom specifically. Remember when we talked about him getting LASIK, like it was going to yeah. change a bunch. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of stuff being right in front of our faces. Um, Shockingly, LASIK doesn't fix an 83 mile an hour exit. <laughs> feel. Yeah. Shock. Oh God. But yeah, so that was, I mean, I was also kind of on board with Keyboom to a certain extent. I wasn't as high on him as you were by any, by any means, but like, yeah, it seemed perfectly reasonable that he would put it together. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he was—he had seen 
limited enough action at that point that we could have given him the benefit of the doubt. Like, I think the small sample size was small enough that I don't think we could just assume that he was going to be bad outright. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that's necessarily a bad on us. We just didn't get it right. But again, maybe there was something that we missed along the way, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's going to be it for episode. Shubzy, I think this is our longest episode. Oh, 100%. Remember remember at the beginning when we were, sorry, during the prep, when we thought that we were going to not have enough material and then we ended up going almost an hour and a half? Good remember, time. Remember seven hours ago when I told you how exhausted I was? Dude, I I am so sorry. It's little, Okay, so <laughs> we started recording this. I don't know what time. It is now 3.41 in the morning where Shubzy is. My wife and is I've, probably furious. I have to edit this in about, oh, we've got, God. I've got to edit oh, yeah. this to be out in, I think about two, two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes. It's going to be great. Uh, it shouldn't take me that long to edit it though. Honestly, it's just throwing some macros on and then I'm not going to give you, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you this anyways. Uh, that's going to be it for us this week at in the deep. Thank you so much for joining us. If you listened all the way through, you, you're a trooper. We appreciate it. Um, once again, if you would like to follow either Schweb's or I, on Twitter, we have our shared account at In the Deep PL. We also have our individual accounts that for Schwebzy, it is just at Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I. And then Bunt Singles for myself. We also have our mailbag email where you can send emails to us. That's going to be at In the Deep PL at gmail.com. And then also be sure to subscribe to the podcast and like and leave a review on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And also, very last thing that I forgot to mention at the top of the episode, we stream this entire process, including right now at 3.41 in the morning, <laughs> live on twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy. That's Schwebzy's Twitch channel. Um, anything else, Schwebzy? Um, I will not be speaking to you for the next six days and 15 hours. I'm kind of sick of you. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Same. The, the feeling's mutual, you scrub. <laughs> on that note, Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.